Welcome back to Voices of Latinx podcast. My name is Sandra Lopez. My name is Mariana Gonzalez. My name is Myra Lomeli Garcia. My name is Hector Ortiz. In this episode, we'll surround the social connectedness in institutional spaces. So in our talks with Latinx youth, they mentioned difficulties that they had connecting with other teenagers. Their main points of connection with other youth tended to be around school and church and both of these types of institutions. For some of those we interviewed were also a place of disconnection. Latinx are not always socially connected to other Latinx youth because of their level of representation in their schools or because they do not have shared connection in their family's country of origin or do not fit a certain mold. And they can feel disconnected from their non-Latinx peers because they perceive that the level of involvement of their parents and their own ability to be involved is less than that of others. Theater surfaced as an area of positive social interaction for two youth from 29303 in area code and was also highlighted by an educator in a district serving the 29303 students. So when we spoke with David, an educator who works with schools, including those of 29303 area, and asked him, seeing the Latinx students in the schools where you were, did you see these students spending time together or were they more separated from each other? David responded, I would say together more so. It depended more so on language usage. That was big, a big thing. One student, she wasn't really involved in much, but she was involved in JROTC. We did have several take part in JROTC. There were several involved in arts and music, but not a ton. Athletic-wise, we've had a few students who were on boys' soccer. It also depended on where they, whether they were English-speaking or Spanish-speaking about what they would get involved with. There were some in theater. They were also part of other clubs like foreign lang- the Foreign Language Club. We've had another involved in medical society because she wanted to be a nurse. Yeah, um, you know, growing up around this area and knowing the schools within it, I also saw the kind of gap between those that could only speak English uh, and Spanish and those that only spoke Spanish. Um, and so that was the big differentiator between the groups and the cliques and who got along with who, um, especially when some of these schools are predominantly white. And so for a lot of them, the language barriers just split them up all the way and they couldn't even see each other um, because they didn't have the same classes. And then when you get to after school activities, a lot didn't or weren't able to go to those. So that was also another gap. And also, like, inside schools, I would always notice, like, we would be, or we would feel safer, I guess, like, in different clubs or organizations. And they didn't even have to be, like, organizations. They could just be, like, art class or music class. Like, I had band, um, and, you know, I got around with a lot of black and brown people there. Um, But also, like, that would be the only space where we could be vulnerable in a way. And I feel like that's kind of what David's getting at here with what he notices with like JROTC and theater. Yeah, because art classes 
typically are places where you can express yourself more too so that makes sense as well and also um, language is a big part of your identity so it makes sense how that can be or form a barrier between people who speak a similar language or not a similar language so nicole a youth from the 29303 area specifically highlighted the theater program in her school as a way of connecting to her peers even though her parents did not always support that choice in response to the question how old are your friends nicole replied they're my age 16 i do have some friends that are seniors and going to college i will miss them dearly i joined this class theater and it was very different from my previous class this theater class gives you like a family you know one that is always there for you, and I rarely feel like I am getting support from anyone. I am currently the only Hispanic in my class now. Two of my Hispanic friends in theater graduated. Others left because they just couldn't keep theater and their schedules out of class. It is a lot of commitment. My dad is always into me about theater. He thinks I will get nowhere in life with this. He always reminds me about how I quit basketball for theater. I did at first test out how to balance both, but then I realized that that wasn't going to work out. Missing practices for basketball, missing games and tournaments over theater just did not roll with me. I would much rather someone else have the spot that is actually passionate about the sport rather than me showing up for half of the practices and still playing games. Um, I think I can kind of relate to this in the sense where growing up and in high school, I did multiple sports, but... Uh, when it came down to it, my parents were supportive of me doing the sports, but then I also had the responsibility of having a part-time job. So, and on top of that with my classes, um, not only was I taking regular classes, but AP classes. So I had to make um, different sacrifices of having to leave soccer for one year and um, having to get a part-time. Um, but it, it's really hard when your parents aren't necessarily supportive of those choices or when you have to make certain sacrifices um, to do one thing or another. Yeah, that's also a common theme. When we were speaking to these um, young students, they had a choice. You either picked, you know, having fun with your friends or helping out your family um, or just doing something that you didn't want to do. And, you know, it's kind of sad that the only support that they get in the one club that they really like, you know, they're not able to do that. Um, and it also speaks to the limited amount of support systems that the students have in general. Um, and still to this day, even in college, it's still very limited. You know, when we, when I got here, um, I didn't expect any Latino, you know, staff or anyone. and. You know, you, you can tell because sometimes you really need it. And it's great to have people of color, um, specifically, you know, the, the black staff that are here at Wofford, they're very helpful and they're very understanding. But you, there's always, you know, sometimes where you really want to relate to someone on a deeper level. And sometimes for, for those people not growing up in a Latino household, some of those things you can't talk about, and so it just gets hard. But we're used to it by now. 
Yeah, and I think it also stems back to the expectations that our parents have as Latinx students. Um, being that Nicole's um, father was telling her that she wouldn't go anywhere in life with theater just kind of shows that um, the expectations from our parents are just very strict in a sense where if we don't follow a certain path, um, then we won't be successful. And it's just something that they're used to. Um, but it's definitely hard when you have a certain passion that you want to follow. That's not necessarily, you know, the expectation of medical school or law school. And it kind of sucks when you have to, you when you want to do something, but you're expected to do another thing. It's also that thing that, like, I feel like there's a lot of systemic structures in place. Like, uh, for example, um, my mom was always working. My dad was always working, going home late, right? So for me, soccer was the only thing that really kept me involved in school. And so, like, at times they couldn't make games or, like, away games, for example. Um, And so, like, it's not that they maybe didn't want to go, but it's because they couldn't. And so I feel like a lot of students are in that situation because where their situation doesn't allow them to have all of the almost privileges that <clears throat> maybe like their white counterpart counterparts do. Yeah, and I think also too, um, for example, my parents, they didn't finish much of their education. So when it comes down to extracurricular activities, they don't really know what those things are and um for them like having a class like theater or um even having to go to like soccer games I think it's kind of hard for them to understand like the fact that you know parents go and watch those games or um those are activities that we like and that are part of what keeps us in school and interested in being a part of this team that we like to be a part of and feel like we have a second family away from home. So Nicole is committed enough to theater that her commitment had forced her to make some difficult choices, including with her academics. She told us, I am in honors classes. I want to take AP and dual enrollment next year, but that would take time away from theater, so it's hard to make this choice. Do y'all know what dual enrollment is? Yeah. Um, I think it's kind of cool that some schools offer dual enrollment, um, but I guess we can see how hard it gets for, I guess, specific people, including, I mean, Latinx youth. Um, And that was also a a tough choice for me. Like, I couldn't take both AP and do enrollment and do soccer. Um, And so, like, it's it's even surprising that soccer is part of that balance. Um, Because, you know, when we think about school, we think about purely academics. But if your only safe space is like, you know, soccer, you don't want to give that up easily, even if it does interfere with academics. And I relate a lot to Nicole because I chose to keep soccer. Um, and instead I was like, I'm just going to do a dual enrollment um, and just not even focus on AP anymore. Um, so I totally understand where she's coming from. Yeah. And I think when it comes to these um, advanced placement classes or dual enrollment too, um, it's really hard to find a balance, especially when, you know, your teachers tell you, yeah, you can definitely, you're capable of doing all these classes and going off campus to this, you know, technical college or community college. And, um, but then you don't realize like how much of the workload you have to do. And, um, you're still expected to do all these things. And 
somehow you manage it but then I in, in my um experience when I took like four AP classes one year I didn't do so well and I was like well why didn't anyone tell me like no Myra this is too much you should have just done two and actually done well um so it's definitely hard to balance and and to realize how much of a load you might have and that's why it's important to have good mentors and people to you know guide you along the way um and and to have that support system yeah I would agree that like all of our lessons are kind of learned the hard way like we're gonna have to fail in order to be like oh well this is too much I can't do this and unfortunately like you mentioned we don't have the, the those mentorships and access to that um because you know, for some of us, our family, um, like our parents, they didn't, they never went through this school system. Um, you know, I had three older siblings that graduated and then went off to college, but for me, I was still very much alone because as they did it on their own, I was also kind of like pushed to just do it on my own too. You know, like I can figure it out. And it it was stressful, but thankfully my high school experience wasn't that hard. Um, but in contrast to college, that's when it really hit me because if I fail, I'm in jeopardy of, you know, losing a whole career and just dropping out in general. Yeah, I didn't have the opportunity to take dual enrollment. I took one AP class, but it was really, I had a lot of responsibility with my family so I had to be, I guess, an adult and not really be a high school student. So um, some some uh, Latinx youth also have to deal with something like that, like having to have outside responsibilities where you can't even do sports, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, so another um, Latinx youth, Martina, who recently graduated after attending schools in the 29303 area, also called out theater as a point of connection. I guess my junior or senior year, I was in Thespian, which is a club, just like theater club. So I did a lot of plays with drama kids, and that's kind of what I did. We did con- competitions at a nearby college colleges. We would go for weekends and do scenes. That's really the only thing I did when it came to extracurricular activities after school. And then I would work. That's it. It seems like... Um schools here in 29303 kind of like cater some of their organizations for students that may not have um, a lot of resources or just a lot of things available to them and I think from the two interviewees we've kind of looked at um, they both point out theater and it may be the case that I don't know a Latinx kid from Chicago probably doesn't do theater but their educational programs probably do try to at least create some sort of structure or institution um, where I feel like, I guess I'm just saying that it's kind of nice when the school recognizes that there's an inequity and the school then tries to create a safe space for the the kids. Otherwise, it's really, like you said, we learn the hard way, but then we just keep learning the hard way. Um, I have a question. When you were talking about that, when you said equity, did you mean for all students or just for the Latinos? Um, well, when I said it in my mind, I was thinking about just uh, Latinx students. But I guess you could also apply it to anyone. I mean... Yeah. Well, me being from here and knowing the way that District 6 
is in 29303, they don't care about the Latino students. Um, in speaking with one of the educators, those clubs are meant for the white students, um, not, not even for the black students. They don't even like help them out. Um, so it, it's kind of like we, these students would have to kind of assimilate with it and you gotta make the best of what you have. Um, that's what I saw. We, you know, it, it's messed up within itself, but another thing that I re remember from the research is that the school had the resources um, and that came with, you know, writing a letter that was bilingual and it was in Spanish, but instead they just took it to Google Translate. Like they didn't even ask the Spanish teachers to translate it for them. And so that's how you know that like that small thing, they really don't care about equity. It would have been nice if it was like created specifically for a space, safe space. I guess I, guess I kind of agree with you because I feel like that's what I would have wanted. Mm -hmm. It sucks that it is. Well, I think that's well, more to the theater in general because we look at Wofford and the theater kids are always together and they, they look at themselves as a family. So I, I, I guess theater is where it's at if you want a family like that um, for the women that we interviewed. So after speaking with one of our interviewees, Martina, who grew up in the 29303 area, um, she told us that she predominantly spent time with one of her fellow Latinx youth um, friends um, that was opposite of what was sh what was she what she thought was the school centered activities or having school spirit. Um, so she had this one friend, Diego, um, who she knew since kindergarten and would do everything with. She would go out eat, to eat um, at restaurants, um, go out to the mall, go out to movies. Um, and despite all of this, I mean, her parents were really strict. And so, um, in one of the quotes she said, since they know us, I mean, they have known Diego, who's part of the LGBTQ plus community all my life, like, cool, we, with me hanging, he, my parents were cool with me hanging out with Diego. And I guess that's why, um, we really wouldn't be those kinds of kids who go to football games we would never do that we never had any kind of school spirit some people would be like oh I like to go mud in and go to football games and that wasn't us at all we'd like to leave early from the prep rallies and go somewhere else I think this just kind of ties back to what Santa said earlier about how like these structures are kind of built for white people um and so like whenever there is an event like this and it's so white like it's not really a space for black and brown people to actually partake in yeah because if you don't feel connected to a place you're not really going to um i guess interact and spend time around it i can relate to it because that's how i was i didn't really go to the football games or pepper alleys i would always want to leave because i just didn't feel comfortable and i would say that when we're thinking about it, it's not just the place that's making us uncomfortable or not wanting to be a part of it. It's also the people around us. Um, I knew even at school, you know, I kept to myself because I didn't have any allies other than 
the other Latino students who I only saw like in the morning because we didn't have class and we didn't play the same sports. Um, so because of that, going to a predominantly white school where they're all like-minded and racist, frankly, um, it's not going to be a place that you want to go because you're not going to have fun and you're not going to enjoy it. And one, one story that I kind of want to tell is that you know, I was a senior when the 2016 election was going on. And I remember, you know, going to that football game because as part of student government, you know, we had to say the prayer and stuff. So it was my turn. Um, so I went and I sat in the student section and for no reason at all, they just started yelling, build, the, build that wall. Mm-hmm. Um, and my friends, who, who I thought were my friends at that time, they were in on it too. They were yelling, build that wall. And it's not like the other team had any Latinos on the roster. Mm -hmm. So it was absolutely for no reason. And, like, that's when I realized, like, how racist that school was. Like, I I was kind of blind to it because I wasn't really involved with my friends other than in school. But, like, that's when it dawned on me. I was like, this is the world. And if this man wins, like, this is the world I'm I'm going into. And especially here in the South, no, I, the same way, um, my school, uh, whenever they do pep rallies or football games, it's the same environment. And it feels like it kind of is like throughout high schools here in South Carolina. Um, just a lot of uh, very, uh, I don't even know what to call it, patriotism or nationalism, something. Um, but it definitely makes you feel uncomfortable when the, like, the ideology that they uphold is frankly racist. Um, and it doesn't feel good at all. Yeah, and I mean, to add on, you know, later on, Martina, she also mentions that even though she spent most of her time with other Latinx youth, her connections with her peers weren't always that easy. Um, And so I can also relate because, like I said earlier, we had different classes. We had different, you know, clubs that we were involved in. So I didn't really, like, see them. And I also did have a lot of white friends. Um, So that was kind of like the differentiator because they were like, oh, you want to be white? You want to be white so bad? Um, I mean, we we just had the same classes. So, and I wasn't exposed to other, you know, families and all my other friends unless it was on the weekend, like at church or quinceanera. Yeah, and then I found it also interesting um, in part of um, her quote that uh, we just said was that her parents were strict. Um, and I know for, you know, from my own experience of having strict Latino parents, um, like I'm definitely not, I wasn't ever allowed to hang out with guys or boys. And um and it's funny that they allowed her to be friends with Diego, but only because she, he was part of the um, LGBTQ plus community. So I think it kind of just shows that like they're, it's okay to hang out with boys, but only if they're, you know, gay or, or whatever. And it's just, it kind of is unfortunate because um, it, it also obviously probably limited her from having maybe other friends that who, who were, um, Latinx um, that potentially were guys too. Um. I mean, I think 
that also goes back to how our parents grew up and you know what they were exposed to and why why are they so afraid of us hanging out with other guys like you know what's what's going on through their minds um that kind of toxicity that masculine toxicity that we've seen throughout all these latino households you know it, they're they're trying to save us but from who and it's like from the men okay well let's make the men stop doing or the boys because they're boys let's tell them to stop <laughs> you know i guess the important part is just that there's a lot of latinx youth that meet each other at the church and like for example there's when i was in high school i had some friends that i didn't that, well, you know, I saw it during school, but that's it. And then the only other time where I would see them would be at church. And it'd be this weird, I think, sort of space where you can't help but to see the influences of both. Like through high school, you see, you know, like white supremacy and racism. And then through the church, you see a lot of like gender roles, kind of what y'all were talking about. Um, and so it, it's hard because you don't necessarily have a, safe space um or maybe not a safe space you know after all it is a church but um a space nonetheless where you can shift away from an institution and just be without feeling guilty because you know I, there's just some days like on sundays when we're children you know i don't want to go <laughs> I love God, but I didn't want to go some days. Um, but then my mom would kind of like guilt me into going. And so, you know, here I was not listening. So I don't know. Yeah, there were, there just wasn't enough time for us to even gather our own thoughts. Everything that was fed to us was their own interpretation of it. Um, and they didn't allow us to actually like look at it ourselves and kind of address it in our own terms yeah and especially in the um, Hispanic culture uh, religion is a big part and so it's kind of hard to like for it not to be a part of your identity in some way whether it be guilt or like mm -hmm. you actually being a follower of the religion just taking a snapshot of the whole like church as an institution uh, we did ask a, a church staff member um, what the church population usually consists of during Sundays. And she said that Saturday mornings are full of quinceañeras and wedding ceremonies, but more like quinceañeras than not. Um, then we asked roughly how many attend each. And, you know, of course it varies depending on the family, but about 50 or more attend each ceremony. And so when we ask about sacramental classes, for example, um, and, you know, it, it varies in, in each place. But for 29303, um, they start from, like, youth, like kindergarten, up, up until freshman in high school. And the populations usually run about 60% white and 40% Latinx for the most part. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely a big factor, and it's definitely become institutionalized. Yeah, being from here and having my own quinceañera um, within this area, so I went to the same church that um, some of the people that we spoke to went to and this church member most likely. 
it was full of Latinos on Saturdays. And leading up to my quinceanera, I would go every week, too, to see what it was like. Um, to, you know, learn how to do everything. And, you know, so it was just basically we were kind of trained our whole, you know, childhood to go through with the church just so we could have our quinceanera. Because then right after you have it, I kind of stopped, you know, my my relationship with the church kind of ended right there because then there was no reason for me to go at that point because I was already confirmed and I had my um, quinceanera. Yeah, and I think part of it too, it's um, in order to get married in a church you have to do all of those kinds of steps and I know there's also um the expectation from my parents um to get married in a church and um honestly I might do it but just to satisfy that um you know desire from my parents and part of the catholic church um but my my brothers actually they didn't get married through the church and i know my my father specifically was kind of disappointed because in his eyes if you didn't get married in the catholic church you were not you were sinning or you weren't you know going to go to go to heaven or something um so it's unfortunate that you know having different views from your parents kind of sets some sort of um tension in the room when it comes to the topic of church and you know it's not it's not it it's not like we could place the blame on the religion itself like i feel like it in a way intrinsically it's not the religious beliefs that are sort of the point of criticism here but rather like the expectations and the culture norms and the gender roles that our parents have grown up with that have been perpetrated by, you know, generations of Latinx parents and get they get to the point where they want us to go to church, not because of church, but because they want to either shield, shield us from certain, I don't know, whether it be stereotypes or norms, or they want us to adapt to a certain norm. Um, and I'll bring up a quote that um, one of our participants, Martina, said, um, about how participate, participating in evening classes at church and how she felt that time at church exposed to her a less safe group of peers than she usually spent time with. Um, she would say that she would go to church and um, she remembers that when she was a sophomore, her parents would make her go to these um, classes Friday nights. It was like a youth group, but she said, and I quote, a youth group for troubled teens, um, but I wasn't a troubled teen um, and then she asked for reaffirmation for her friend Diego and Diego said, no, they literally just made her go just cause she wouldn't go out or do anything, um, because they thought that they would do some sort of stuff. Um, so, you know, like in that specific situation, this whole concept of going out and doing whatever Friday nights kind of overpowered the thoughts of their parents and and they use church as an excuse to parent i think yeah and i think like as martina says in her quote um there were troubled teens there that would drink or do drugs and i can kind of relate to that in the sense where i had friends in middle school who would go to church go to their youth groups but literally would go to their quinceañeras and like drink and you know 
do all of these things and yet they were going to church you know every week and you know your parents have these expectations of like you know church is sacred and it's so safe and you know you go there and you do the right things but really how do they know that if they don't know or trust like who you're hanging out with and you know being being confident in your own choices so it's definitely hard to you know get parents and um us as you know kids to you know agree on the same page and we're also on a different level because martina mentioned that it was her parents that initiated this and for what reason because she didn't do any bad things so it's their perception of what they think we're gonna do so then you see that they don't even know their own children which i know in my experience um i wasn't close with my dad and he was always you know trying to make me go to church too and for what because i i wasn't a bad kid so that addresses something else though but even even like with that um it just it's kind of sad because it goes on to show like even parents don't really understand religion but they rely on its structure and on its institution to take care of kids but then again the church is not going to try to take care of kids per se so it's a double double-edged sword like you the on the side of the unknown but at the same time the belief of it being beneficial and guiding you in some sort of way and church and religion has always been a way to um, control so it kind of does speak to um, parents trying to control the uncontrollable but yeah and then that's why we're kind of resilient at the end because this was imposed on us and we didn't choose it we didn't seek it out and that'll be it for this episode uh, on our next episode we will be discussing uh, reproductive health sexual health dating and family expectations so until next time peace adios Hasta luego. Ciao.